and welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. I suppose I have to do my bit now. You I do. wonder if I can remember it. It's been so long. The only SharePoint show in the southernmost tip of Southern Africa. That's the arse end of Africa, where everything is not uh, made up. And there are no points. Good to chat to you again, Al. Hello, Mr. Modlin. I've missed this, Brew. So, so for our listeners out there, Mr. Modlin has had a little human being come into his life um, that's made from his DNA. And between sleep deprivation and being a really good father, uh, we have these gaps in recording times. So up until the kid is 23 and leaves the house, this is the schedule. <laughs> I, I really hope not. I do, I do apologize both to you and all the listeners. Um, I've, I've more or less dropped the ball, but I've got other priorities, unfortunately. I am hoping that uh, it will be a smoother ride from here on out and we can get into the rhythm again and get the podcast going out weekly again because ah, this is so much fun and I, I have missed this. I have missed chatting to you, Alistair. Dude, you need to get the little guy to you. His first words has to be, how's it, internet? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that That's quite a... Quite a hardcore first set of words there. <laughs> and he has to do it. Anyhow, moving along. When he's, when he's older, we're totally going to do like a rewatch podcast watching like, I don't know, old Doctor Who or Star Trek or some random ass old shows. It's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah. You can introduce him. I will be the voice of reason. And um, you can look at me for, for guidance and you can look at you as... Most kids look at parents. Uh, what is my father talking about? That's uh, my, my poor kid is in a rough spot if he's looking to you for balance and reason. Anyhow, anyway. we're back to having guests on the show. Fantastic. Who do we have this week? I, I spent a couple of days. I spent about 10 days in Seattle and I managed to track down. His name's Jace Moreno. And I hope I pronounced his surname right, but he looks after, the, the, he's a dev lead for Teams. So we had a great conversation about where Teams is going, what apps for Teams means, and all of that. He also has a super nerdy name, and I love it. I don't get the reference, but anyhow. Uh, yeah, it's a Magic the Gathering thing. Don't worry. Let's Uh-oh. go to that interview. On this week's episode of Two Guys in SharePoint... Al, that is me. I've been roving the streets, or roaming, roving, the streets of Seattle for the last 10 days, and I've managed to spend quite a lot of time with the the Teams team, that's a capital T and a smaller T, um, so for those people, and I managed to second, second, kidnap, I don't know what the right term would be, but I managed to grab one of the Teams people. I'm not going to do the introductions for him. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. So I'm Jason Marino, and I do the uh, product marketing for the Teams platform. But uh, when you say Teams platform, what does that mean? Yeah, good question. Simple, simple way I describe it. I look at it from three layers, but it's the integration essentially of Office 365 and the applications everyone's using every day. They purchase Teams. It's the integration of what we would call third-party apps, but basically apps that weren't built by Microsoft that were available in the Teams store. And then it's also the integration of any tools and services that our organizations and our customers have built themselves. So how do you take those and bring those together into the team's experience? And the platform and what we call the extensibility of it enables people to do that. 
but you said you're a PMM, so so you mm-hmm. you, you do marketing technically. Yeah. But then you talked about writing code. Uh, I I personally don't. I do a little bit of HTML editing on our websites. Um, oh. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a big big techie, but oh. probably more so than the average marketer. To be fair, is that not not scary though? Because you come again, you say, well, I'm looking after the the apps component to Teams, yeah. and look, I completely understand it. I'm in the same yeah. same situation, but I don't write code. Is it? I suppose the next question would then be, what? Where do you come from? I mean, what what is what got you to where you are today? Looking at the app component of or the app ecosystem, and I don't want to use ecosystem because ecosystem is bullshit bingo, right? Yeah. Uh, the app ecosystem <laughs> for, for teams, right? So what got you here? You know, it's, it's funny though, in the way you phrase it at the beginning, I've actually felt like an imposter to your point on writing yeah. code ever since I joined Microsoft five and a half years ago because they brought me in out of my graduate school program um, and I joined at that time what was the worldwide communications team, which was the okay. incubation team for Link at yeah. the time. So the UC stuff. Bunch of people in UC their whole careers. I was the most junior person on the team by 11 years and I knew nothing. <laughs> I knew nothing. Never worked in tech. Youngest person knew nothing about UC. And I come in and I'm going, what? how the hell am I going to survive here? <laughs> These guys are going to find me as an imposter. And you know, same thing in every other role I've taken since. Um, but to answer your question, so I started five and a half years ago on that team, moved to Australia for four years where I first got into product marketing. And then I just moved to Seattle about four months ago to join the team's product marketing team. And I feel like every role that I've jumped into at Microsoft, I've had a bit of that, a bit of that imposter that I'm feeling. And one thing I've noticed is, is you know, in all honesty, a lot of my great ideas come from actually just listening to others frankly like yourself i just added a podcast with you you know excuse me on the blog i wrote the other yeah. day i called out some great feedback that you had given at ignite the conference we had a couple months back and so i think and, and you know satya says this all the time this actually i wasn't planning on talking about our culture or satya but you know he talks about us being learn-it-alls and while that can be perceived that as a little bit cheesy I, I love his perspective on that because it's not about going in and pretending that we know everything all the time it's actually going in with that question I want to ask questions. I want to learn from you so I can better market and effectively help you, our customers, our partners, our Microsoft field teams do their job better. Um, so I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I've seen, surprisingly, that is not, how do I say this politically correctly? Um, I think a lot of people struggle in this area. And I think the culture is changing on that quite a bit. And we do have a lot of people who are great at it. But um I don't think you need to know everything to be to be great at our jobs. I think it seriously is taking the time to really understand your business and then what you need to effectively do to invoke the change that will drive the outcomes that you want. So do you like Teams as a product? I, I wouldn't have taken it off if I didn't. Um, <laughs> it was very hard to leave Australia, honestly. <laughs> Sydney's Wait, incredible. You, you went from here to Australia? Yeah, so well, well I was in Chicago with Microsoft. Right. Um, went there, stayed there for four years, and... Uh, over a couple of drinks with uh, with an old colleague who is now my boss, uh, you know, he told me that he was looking for some people to do this role, and I was thinking about what was next. And timing was great. And Microsoft really loves people who are willing to move around, not just in roles, but physically for yeah. geography locations. And and I was wasn't planning on coming to Seattle that soon, but I love Teams. I think our future partnerships are going to be so much focused on you know ISV developer. It's key to our platform. It's key to everything we're doing. Um, so I jumped on the opportunity, and seven weeks later, I was I was here in Seattle, which is nuts. But um, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed that decision for the world. It's been amazing, and it's it's incredible working at Corp. It can be frustrating for sure. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh it's amazing. The you know we were talking about it earlier. The the scale and the visibility you have into a lot of the work that you're doing. And when you look at a product like Teams, which you know we just announced was the fastest growing application in Microsoft's history, it's, it's pretty empowering to be sitting on that product right now. 325 to 329,000 yeah. organizations use Teams. Yeah. I suppose it's a different metric to, you've got 180 million active users inside of Office 365, yeah. but yes, fastest growing, after, well, yes, fastest growing, you passed SharePoint because SharePoint was yeah. uh, prior to that held the, the record. Teams as a product. Um, there's a lot of noise. It's, it's, it's the Robbie Williams of Office 365. Started off small and now it's gone to the front. You yeah. know, he was with Take That, left Take That, and, and he became Robbie Williams, right? What do you see, and it's also ushered in a new type of collaboration, which Microsoft, for the for the most part, and dare I say, Yammer, didn't really have that chat-based information. Are you seeing, from your experience working with both the engineering teams and also um, interacting with the customer, are you seeing customers approaching technology differently because of Teams? Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I see it from both angles. You know, what's really interesting to maybe answer your question directly is, you know, going back five and a half years ago, I've sat in a lot of customer executive briefings over the past five and a half years. I love doing that stuff. I mean, it's one of the things that I love most about working here. But what I've noticed is the evolution of the past five years, it was almost exclusively the CIO and his technical team around him who were having meetings with. Now, when customers fly out to Seattle for an executive briefing here, they're bringing their change management teams. They're okay. bringing a lot of the business decision makers, for lack of a better term, right? What'd you call it earlier? Bingo? Um, yeah. yeah. Bullshit bingo? So yeah. bullshit bingo. I gotta steal that. Um, but it, you know, it's a huge evolution, the way customers are looking at this. Now, when it comes to teams, I think some are acutely aware of how much of a new way of working that this is, right? It's not necessarily just moving over from Skype to business and just the basic chat-based collaboration that we're used to. It is a new way of actually collaborating around projects. And I think some get that. I think some need a bit of our guidance to help understand. Um, but I think overall, a lot of organizations are talking about still these digital transformation strategies. And I think we can effectively deliver that through the product. And I, and I don't say this because it's my role, but selfishly, we're seeing a lot of this through the platform, right? How do you actually take the investments you've made as an organization, the tools and services that your people use every day, how do you bring that into Teams, but do it in a way that's not just integrating it into one app, but doing it more intelligently, right? Giving me a better experience with those services that I've already built. And um, I guess the way I'd say it to, to an IT professional particularly is you are taking a product that was potentially a bit redundant before internally and maybe bringing it back to life, right? And I've seen it a few times and a lot of customers are actually driving mass adoption of Teams by doing this, which is pretty cool. So just to address the elephant in the room. Yeah, please. <laughs> Skype. Yeah. We heard it last year's Ignite. Uh, Skype is dead. You need to move to Teams. Right? Yeah. So there's a lot of... And for the last year, all I've been hearing about Teams is direct routing this and feature parity that and presence interrupt that and this and that. Is that Has that been the core focus of the last year for, for the Teams engineering team to, to make sure that there's a a smooth transition from 
what traditional UC has been to what it's now called intelligent communication, yeah. not unified contract. Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know if I necessarily speak on their behalf as their core focus. What I will say, though, is they're absolutely trying to reinvent the way we actually communicate now. Um, and so the move from Skype, look, to be honest with you, I've heard a lot of people say Skype is dead. I will really honestly tell customers, I think it's I think it's use case scenarios, yeah. right? And so some employees who are using the full capabilities of Skype server right now, I don't think those people should yet move to Teams until we've had that, that parity yeah. um, that we have in Teams, between Teams and Skype. But I think for most users we're seeing in organizations, there absolutely is an opportunity to move. But it does require a change, right? And it's it's that I think is actually one of the big elephants in the room is is that this is a cultural change our customers are talking to us about right now. And I don't think I think some realize that to my point earlier about the change managers, but some don't realize that that is actually the crux of what we're trying to solve. How do we deliver this workplace that people actually love? Because right now the truth is, a lot of our customers we talk to have this communications environment that's just a nightmare, right? Yeah. And you've got all these incredible products that in their own respects absolutely are fantastic, but they don't talk to one another. And so you get these frustrated employees and morale's gone and it leads to turnover. Um, there's this huge snowball effect. And so a lot of this is the conversation that engineering is having. Um, I didn't just digress there <laughs> from my own, my own benefit. I mean, I'm hearing these things in engineering and what's been very empowering working with the engineers is I've been blown away how customer focused those guys are. And I know that's kind of a buzzword with Microsoft right now, but I'm stunned how many of them are out in the field, talking to customers, talking to our partners, really working on focus groups to make sure that we're addressing all these concerns. And yeah, some don't happen as fast as we want, frankly. And it's because honestly, the team's team is working like a startup right now within Microsoft, which is fun, but it also poses our resource challenges. Um, so I don't know if that fully answers your question, but it, it is it is amazing seeing how much these guys are completely trying to flip the script, if you will, on the way that organizations are communicating internally. I think also, to your point earlier, talking about, and I've seen it spending the last eight, nine days in Seattle. There's so much tech in the product that you don't see, that it becomes ubiquitous, yeah. but you don't realize because nobody's highlighting this as it's the go-to feature for it. Something like with the, on the intelligent communication side where you go from your desktop to your mobile phone to your tablet yeah. into your car, into a meeting room where your device becomes a companion. For me, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't understand how all of that worked until I spent time here. And I was like, wow, just the AI that's built into the back end to understand what to do when you bring a device into a room and how that works. And... For lack of a better term, Microsoft doesn't celebrate that. They just, it's sort of part of the yeah. course, yes, that's what it does. But then you go and you go compare it to a competitor like Slack, and you go, Slack has zero of that. So for me, talking to people about Teams now, it's not so much about I can send you a message, is how seamlessly you can conversate with someone, be it making a telephone call, or be it sending an IM, or sharing a desktop, or walking into a room and taking a picture or recording some video of something that's happening outside and you can live stream straight into, yeah. into a video chat. That's just crazy. Mm. Uh, and I think in closing, my, my last question really from from our side or from my side, because Rod never does these interviews, is 
What is the future of Teams in, in, in your headspace right now? Where, where do you see it going? What is Teams vision uh, 2.0? I mean, we have these chats quite a bit. One, one thing I will say, though, real quick, and I'll answer your question, is to your point, I actually, funny enough, thought of Excel when you first started mentioning your, your previous statement. Um, and I think the difference we have with Teams is we're trying to get a lot of this intelligence, if you will, to actually just blend into the back of the product where you don't necessarily need to interact with it, right? And I, I, we struggle a lot in marketing because you have to have this balance of always painting this picture of what's new and what's coming versus actually, there's also this incredible story here of simplicity, right? Which is really what the platform is also delivering, right? This integration of all these tools that I have, which is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, what a lot of people are struggling with. And so I try to focus on that when I'm having these conversations is look, well, yes, we absolutely want this this amazing future that we talk about, which is real for some customers where, you know, I've got all this technology that's intelligently scheduling my meetings for me and voice recognition and all these other these other features that we have in the product versus some just want to have a quality meeting. Yeah. Right? I mean, they don't have that in their organizations today. They can't walk into a meeting room and still figure it out in 10 minutes in 2018. Right. Yeah. And so that, that I think is what really excites me is we have that potential. We have built that product. And again, it's not perfect. And there's a lot of things that are getting, getting addressed as we speak, but um, that, that is the part that I have fun talking about. Look for the future. I'm, I'm not sure I could speak on Microsoft's behalf and I'm not, I'm not trying to, to skirt your question, but I look at where we're going and, and realistically, a lot of what we're building is actually addressing my previous point is how does this become a tool that just blends into the background of my day, almost in the sense of, you know, I think about SharePoint as an example. I never directly go to SharePoint sites anymore. However, I am using SharePoint all day yeah. as a byproduct of the products and tools that I'm using inside of at a Microsoft. Now, I'm not saying Teams will go to the background in that sense, but I just want it to do things intelligently on my behalf. And when I look at a lot of the features and APIs that we're releasing for Teams, not even just from a platform perspective, but natively in the product, it's pretty incredible looking at how engineering is thinking about how do we just simplify my day for an end user where I don't have to lift my finger, kind of to your point earlier, and these things are done for me automatically. And why I took this role particularly, because then I go talk to some of our partners and developers particularly, and the things they're looking to build on top of Teams just floor me in terms of this intelligence that you think is 10 years away and they're already working with it today. Right. And and how soon that's actually going to be in the product? That stuff is what gets me really excited. So I don't know if that fully answers your yeah, question. That's um, perfect. But that's it's yeah, it's exciting time for sure. Well, thank you for coming on to the show. If people want to get a hold of you, or the interwebs, the Twitterates, do you occupy space there? Absolutely. Uh, Twitter is Jace Moreno twenty. Um, hit me up on LinkedIn. I mean, I I'll give you my email if you want. I don't no, mind no, people no. reaching out. We don't me. we don't do that sort of thing. We might get sued. Yeah. But thanks for being on the show and we'll catch up sometime. I'm a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Jace, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, and we've we've tracked down quite a few people. So for the next seven weeks we will definitely have a guest on every show. Fantastic. Yeah, Al's been super busy for all of you. And I know everybody really enjoys those. Okay, then we're into our second segment, which is... In the news. So this week, uh, Rod, because we were not sure about doing the recording, Rod went and normally I do all the show notes. But this week, Rod has done all the show notes. So I'm going to hand over to Rod 
to take us through all the news for this week. Yes, I'm sure I've missed a whole bunch of stuff, but some of the stuff that's leaped out at me recently, starting off with Microsoft Stream, there's some cool new features coming, rolling out to more of the Office 365 plans, stuff like speaker face timeline. So if you have a recording of a conference with multiple people speaking, it will actually do facial recognition on them and in the timeline of the video it'll show you where the different faces pop up and you can skip directly to their bits which is pretty cool mm, that is part yeah they've got uh, speech to text closed captioning and transcript search that's using that same uh, voice to text technology so hasn't hasn't uh, speech to text hasn't that been around for a while though? They, they've had a transcript they haven't had the functionality to put it into the closed captioning automatically it sort of was just running down the side it wasn't in picture closed captioning and it wasn't actually fully search enabled so now it is all of that okay it's still yeah. it's still not that great with a south african accent but uh if you talk clearly um it's mostly fine so that stuff is rolling out to e1 e3 f1 a1 and a3 that's the education SKUs, uh business premium and essentials and the e M365 business uh, licenses. Yeah, it's, it's not enabled by default, by the way. Yes, you do have to go turn it on. You've got to flip the toggle switch, which is what everyone does nowadays. I mean, the administration of Office 365, it's either on or it's off. Yes, and me personally, I like having it on. More tools is, more toys is always cool, right? Moving swiftly along, you can now add tabs to private chats in Teams. So the one-on-one -on -one stuff. The one-on-one -on -one stuff or the one-on group stuff, right? It's not the, the official team, but you can bring a bunch of people into a chat and you can now add tabs yeah. into those, which is really handy. It's also really great for governance because when you've got like those requirements for, oh, I've got a chat with two other people um, and we want to have some stuff, you'd create a whole team for it and have all the infrastructure for it. Now you can say like, no, just chat and then make a tab for a shared document library or your notes or whatever, Yeah, which yeah. is quite cool. A nice little thing for adoption. Very soon, you will be able to sign into Office 365 from Outlook.com. So if you guys have run any adoption projects and you've got sort of old school email users and they're like, okay, I want my Outlook. Where's my Outlook? No, you go to portal.office.com. What? Like, no, but Outlook.com. I want my Outlook. Why can't I go to Outlook.com? And that used to be the actual Outlook.com email, right? The old Hotmail. Now, if you log in there with your Office 365 credentials, it will take you to Office 365. Well, yeah, I suppose. But how many people, businesses are actually running on Outlook.com? Well, not many, but I guarantee you there's a bunch of old school users who want their Outlook. And like, that's what they want. So they want to go to Outlook.com. Like, like, it'll just make things, like, it's just a little more seamless, which is always good. Uh, next up, I get to talk about this one. Like you have settings in Teams, like quiet hours, you also now have what they call service hours in bookings. I'm just reading the heading, Madeline. This is all your show right now. <laughs> what that means. Yeah, so bookings, bookings is the Microsoft service for sort of small businesses. If you want people to give people the functionality to book your time, if you've got a a hairdresser salon or a tattoo parlor well, or here's whatever. an example right exactly yeah 
So even the larger organizations, so think of uh, a Talis Shaw or a a Sunlam or a Metropolitan MMI, right? They've typically got these shops inside of their head office building where there's two, 3,000 people. So it's a nice way for them to manage bookings of, like you said, I want to go cut my hair or I want to go for a massage because there's a salon there. What this allows you to do is set service hours. So we open from eight to five. Before you couldn't do that in booking. Yeah, and you just have to decline everything that was outside of those. Yeah. Now it does that for you, which is really awesome. Um, something that I think is already um, available everywhere, at least it's available on the tenants I've got access to. You can now set the thumbnail and description for SharePoint pages. Previously, it would take um, the first image in the page as the thumbnail, and it would create its own description. You can now set those yourself, which just makes that whole thing a little, a little easier, a little better to use. Now my question around that, from a, that's the square on the page, right? Uh, yeah. Like if, if it's a news page or whatever, like that'll come through as the highlighted image, right? What else is there? Our SharePoint personalized web parts. Talk yes, to me about there's, that. there's, Talk to there's me about lots that. of, there's lots of, uh, SharePoint news. Next up, the, yes, personalized web port, web parts coming to SharePoint online. So this is stuff like you can put, uh, web parts in the page to show users their recent documents okay their recent events all that sort of stuff all the stuff you get from like if you go to OneDrive, right you get that personalized experience all that delve stuff you now have access to those with out of the box sharepoint web parts so you can create a really people-centric intranet using just out of the box tools which is super cool super cool so would you say then that i'm trying to think that it's a it's a flavor of audiencing because it's now directed, you can personalize pages. So think about creating a, a landing page that actually makes sense now, because I can set yes. this data for that user, so the user doesn't have to move out of it. Yeah, and that's that's a, a big thing in internet design recently, is you want, to make, you want to make things very much personalized, right? You want to make all the spaces very useful to the user, um, and that really helps with adoption, right? Like if yeah. the pages are useful, a user's more likely to actually come back and use it. So those are really awesome. Um, another really awesome thing is the uh, quick chart web parts. You can now point those to a SharePoint list, whereas previously it was just sort of hard data that you put into it, uh, static data. You can now point it to a SharePoint list and you can do charts for those. Just out of the so box. They've gone, I have they've, gone, they've gone full circle now from SharePoint 2007 and are we back to what we had then? Yes, and that was awesome, and I really enjoyed those, and they were they were really powerful, and you could make some really compelling dashboards using just SharePoint lists, um, and like <laughs> connecting everything up, and um, you lost that for a little while, but now it looks like that's back, especially since connected web parts are coming back. So didn't they bounce that to enterprise features for that charting in in twenty ten? And then no one wanted it because they weren't prepared to upgrade to enterprise. Yeah. So it's glad, I'm glad to see that it's actually come back. Not that we have enterprise features anymore. It's just, here you go, here's SharePoint. Yes, which makes a lot more sense, like really. Um, I'd, I'd, I would really like them to take out the, the extra requirements for stuff like uh, project and whatever other you have to have separate licenses for. It makes it such a headache. Um, but uh, yeah. got got to make some money, right? 
For sure. What else, Mr. Modlin? What else? We're burning daylight. Still on SharePoint News, the Change the Look panel is getting an update. So you will now have a panel where you can deal with all the things. You can change the theme, the header, the navigation, the footer, sort of all in one place, which is really cool. Just makes that site management easier, easier for normal users to do. You don't need an admin for it. And there's a new help and support pane in the Office 365 navigation bar. Much like um, in Office, right? You've got that sort of in-place, in-line help. It's much the same thing there. So more stuff to, you know, drive adoption, help people get the most out of Office 365, which is really, really sweet. So I'd like to take a moment to talk about getting the most out of Office 365. Okay. So there was some noise made recently about Microsoft sending... I actually want to find it... Um, being able to send out information directly to users around learning and, and updates and all of those things. Yeah. Have you heard about that? And then everyone and 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 now they they're trying to pull it back. Here we go. It's actually in the message center. Your users will now receive emails with product training and tips for services in their subscription. So coming back to your point there around new help and support pane in Office 365 Navbar, the world went pear-shaped. Because consulting services businesses were saying, yes, but you're taking business away from us because you're telling users that are part of Office 365 what's new, what's hip, what's coming, what it's about, some training on that. How do you feel about that, Model? I, I think consultants that are complaining about that are frankly piss poor consultants. Well, said. Um, well if, said. If, if the only value you can add is reading blog posts and regurgitating that to your users, like I don't know, dude. You need a new line of work. There is so much work to be done so I, introducing I users great, to this. Like I think this sort of stuff is absolutely amazing. The more Microsoft can do to ease this and introduce people and have that help available, the better. There's so much stuff. Like you need an army of consultants for any business, like to do all that work. I think there's huge value in being able to keep the users up to date with what's coming because you'll breed a culture of me-too-isms. So instead of IT trying to force-feed users, users are going to start knocking at IT's door saying, hey, we've just received this mail. Look how cool streamers. Can we start using stream for stuff like live events? Yeah. And that's going to be the cool part because you don't have to continually badger your customer about hey, you should be using this. Hey, look, it's part of the roadmap. Now the users will come back to you and say, hey, talk to me about this. I've just been told about it. I said, I'm very excited about it. It's a pity that the world went crazy and people complained and it's still in my message center. So I don't know if Microsoft is actually putting it. Well, that's the thing, right? When when this sort of stuff, like you say, goes pear-shaped, it's the you, you have to remember one important thing. This is the internet. And the internet is completely mental. You get a very small portion of very vocal people who sort of blow stuff all out of proportion. And that's all you see when you're on the internet. From Microsoft's point of view, they can see the actual metrics of how many people are doing that. Even say there's like 3,000 people shouting their heads off. Out of their user base, that's nothing. So, you know, you gotta, they've got to weigh that up and what's the, the bigger benefit. And having an educated user base is absolutely the bigger benefit in this case. For sure. 
Okay, what else, Mr. Bodlin? What else? Cool. Um, running through very quickly. A couple of things coming in quarter one of 2019. You're going to be able to add membership to Teams, to Microsoft Teams, using dynamic membership rules. The same way you can currently make distro lists in Exchange Online, you'll be able to make Microsoft Teams, which is absolutely bonkers. That is so cool. What does that mean? What does that mean? So instead of having to add, if you've got a really big team, right, like 60, 70, 100 people, whatever, Instead of having to add all of those users to the team, you can make a dynamic rule and say, everybody who falls in this OU, have them oh, in the team. yes, yes, that. Now I know what you're talking about. Yes. But, but it's just great because you can actually start using um, a security groups that way, right? Yes. Or does yeah, whatever this, these groups are called now. Uh, where you can say, uh, everyone in HR belongs to this uh, team. Everyone in marketing belongs to this team. We've got a group of security administrators that belong to a bunch of teams or a bunch of departments, and they all belong to the security administrators group. That's yeah. proper. And it is proper, and it just makes everything easier. When you get a new person, you can just add them where you normally do, and you don't have to think like, oh, wait, what are all the different teams and groups and sites and crap I need to add them to? It's, if you're using the modern infrastructure right, everything's a teams, then that just carries through, which is awesome. Um, also coming, there will be screen sharing in private team chats, which is really cool. I'm sure all the desktop support guys are like, oh, thank you. It'll be a help. You could do it obviously in Teams now, but now you can do it in the private chats there, which is cool. Then I've got a little bit of flow news. We'll move along quickly. Um, there is a new capability, a flow checker in flow, which will give you more help than was a than was available previously. So it'll run through your flow for for you, tell you where your issues are, where your errors are, and you can fix it before it actually runs, which is cool. And there's going to be a Microsoft Flow online conference on December the 12th. So if you do a Google search for that, it is also on the Flow blog. Um, you can go uh, sign up for that and join the online conference. They are also um, asking for submissions for sessions. Yes. So if you reach out to John LeBlue, I cannot pronounce his surname. Yeah, just go type that into Twitter. I'm sure you'll find him. <laughs> John LeBlue. Just search for Flow Bro on Twitter. He's also got a YouTube channel where you can grab some of his cool stuff. And if you're into watching him climb a mountain, that information is also available on his YouTube channel. So yes, John's very excited. He's an excitable human being, and he lives in Samamish. I don't know how to pronounce that. And yeah, very excited to actually watch this conference. Modern, I will be watching this conference. I will too. It's going to be awesome. Another thing that is really awesome is solution packaging for Power Apps and Flow. So you could take a Power App and a whole bunch of flows and put them together into one package that you can then move between environments. So you can have a proper dev, a proper UAT, a proper production. So the only about, trick is yeah. the only trick is you have to be using the common data service. So it's only Which for fine, CDS apps. Okay, but now what if I was wanting to build an app store and build all these apps that 
customers who wanted to deploy a clinical trials app would be able to select it and then push it from there. Or let me know and I'd push it to a tenant. Because you're saying you can flip it between tenants, right? Um, I'm not sure if you could put it in the app store or something like that. I think it well, does give you a downloadable package that you could use. I don't know if okay, you could push it to right. an app store. I haven't actually played around with this yet. Okay. Even if it doesn't get that far, the fact that Microsoft are working towards this is so important. It's, it's very, it's very earth, earth moving, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's like it's really important and I'm happy they're working towards it. Um, another thing I'm happy about, Power Apps, again, using the common data service. There's a theme here, if nobody's noticed. If you're doing Power Apps and Flow work, you probably want to be using the common data service if you can convince your clients to pay for it, um, which I've not had a hell of a lot of success with. Um, but if you are doing that, the one-to-many connections in Power Apps is super, super easy. You can use uh, dots to drill down in the hierarchy of the <clears throat> of the CDS. The CDS is a relational database, right? So all the entities are linked together and you can just use dots to drill down. So you could do like first and then in brackets orders and then just dot customer dot name. And obviously orders has a bunch of customers in it and then those have a bunch of attributes like name and you could just reference it like that. You don't have to do lookups or any of that junk. It's just nice and easy. Okay, so the last thing in our news segment, the one thing that I added, is that Microsoft is working on a new migration tool set that will move your Google people to Office 365. That must be hell of a challenging. Why? Everyone else does it. Go yeah. Buy a, go buy a migration tool. It'll move you from G Suite to to Office 365? Yeah, the thing is when Microsoft does it, then Google take notice of it and like, oh, really? And they can just change their API and suddenly your tool doesn't work anymore. Well, then Microsoft updates it. That's what they have developers. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's an arms race that you don't really want to get into. So I'll be interested to see how well this works and, and how well it does. But that's super cool. It is really, really good. If, if I had to put any of my stuff anywhere, it would certainly be 0365 over G Suite. I agreed, agreed 100%, uh, except that when teenagers or when kids get their first phones, it's usually Android, and what do they do? They create a Gmail account. Boom, right there. Anyhow, moving along to uh, the next segment in the show called New Features I Didn't Know About of the Week. Rod, let me ask you this. Yeah. How many times have you wished that when you create a document template, and you add it as a template to a content type inside of SharePoint or to a document library that it's available inside of Outlook or inside of Word or inside of Excel or inside of PowerPoint. Oh, that would be really cool. Actually, that would make that would be a really that would be a really handy thing. Or having all your document templates available inside of SharePoint as well. Nice. How do we do this, Al? Uh, one of the gentlemen from. Uh, Valo has got a side project, side company. So Knut from Valo has got a side company called Docs Node. And Docs Node does all of that for you. So I'm super excited about Docs Node. So uh, for the real Francois Pinard, if you are listening to episode 61, that question you asked me about four years ago, I now have an answer. For. And that's the secret, ladies and gentlemen. When you ask Alistair Pugin, he will always, <laughs> always give you an answer. It might be four years late, 
but he will get you that answer. I'll even I'll even inception someone like Knut to build this. I'm taking full wow. credit. For that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now after that segment, we've got our penultimate segment or last segment, not penultimate. And ultimate. What is it? The ultimate segment. Yes. Pen, penultimate means the one before the ultimate. So, this so the is, last one is the ultimate. This is why Rod's the host and I'm the co-host. Because Rod gets to decide when to change segment types. Yes. And I, I just noticed that now. I mean, yeah. you've, got, you've got tracking on. Ordinarily, in this part of the show, would be my go with the flow segment. Um, today, I'm not doing that, actually. I'm going back. Our long-time listeners will remember my PowerShell commandlet of the week. So this is a harken back to that. It is the PowerShell power hour. It's not actually going to take an hour. Can I say that? I, I need to introduce it. The PowerShell power hour. Sweet. Um, so, yes, I've been doing a bunch of PowerShell work recently, um, programmatically creating a bunch of stuff. Um, so it can have approvals and all of that, teams and groups and that. By the way, it's not actually my the, the little bit I've got here, but creating an Office 365 group through PowerShell is a pain in the ass. It well, just actually... you you think it would be really easy. It's super not. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, this is you, not me. Yeah. I, I so, know a guy that, that can help me. His name's Jerry. He's an Office Apps MVP. And all he does is live in PowerShell. He does yeah. not know what the GUI equivalent of what you're talking about looks like. Does not know. But you, you, you can do it. Um, you can create it. The The most effective way um, we found was you can use the the Teams uh, API, basically, PMP Teams, um, and you create a team which creates the group and then the SharePoint site. It doesn't create the SharePoint site immediately. When you create a group, it puts the site in a queue. So if you then need to do stuff to that site, um, you have to wait for it to be created. So, for instance, if you want to attach it to a hub site, yeah. like you can't do it immediately and you then need to wait and check and whatever. And one of the things we had to do was we had to check, okay, this site that I've created, is it now attached to a hub site? And it turns out if you're using PNP PowerShell, the get PNP site commandlet, here's my commandlet of the week, the get PNP site commandlet, you can obviously return a whole bunch of different things about a site, all the attributes. One of those attributes is the hub ID. And if you run that on a site, it will return the hub site ID to you. The GUID of the hub site will return that. If you run the commandlet on a hub site, it will return that site's GUID to you. So you can get that ID through that if you want to programmatically work on the hub above or whatever the case is. So if you are looking to how to check that, you can do a get PNP site and it'll have that attribute. And that's my bit for this week. Okay, um, let me dust off the boredom and uh, we can close off the show now, Mr. You can't get bored with PowerShell. I, I will accept I, you I, getting I bored with I get bored with, with that segment. Maybe, maybe, maybe next week when we do it again, I'll get excited about the PowerShell power hour. Anyway, so thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Um, we will be hopefully right back on track from now, but... Can't really promise that. We will. I will certainly try my best. Elle's always here. Um, so if you do want to find us and keep track of when we're putting out new episodes, you can find us online, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. Um, you can find us on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter, at oddmodlin, and Elle is? 
at Alistair Pugin. And you can find us on your podcast app of choice um, and anywhere good podcasts are dispensed. Something like that, yes. All right. Is that it? Is that a wrap? That is a wrap. Thank you, Al. Okay. Cheers, cheers. Ciao. Um, the the thing I was talking about, not your vaping, which the users won't even hear. The users, the listeners won't even hear.